Now hear the word of the Lord from Jonah chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 through 41. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said one to another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For, men, for the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And now from Matthew. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For the for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. This is the word of the Lord. Christy gets 10 extra gold stars in heaven <laughs> for that lengthy reading. Would you pray with me? Lord, we bless you. 
for your goodness to us. And we ask that the same spirit that inspired these words would etch them and their truths on our hearts today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm really looking forward over the next few Sundays to digging into the book of Jonah with you. It has important truths for us to confront, things which I believe the Holy Spirit wants to underline in our lives, both personally and congregationally. It's a book which has meant a lot to me over the years. It's one of those books in the Bible, and you probably have had this similar experience where there are certain sections which have from time to time been distinctively used by God to speak to your own heart. Jonah is one of those places for me, not least because it says later in the book, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. If it was the book of David, it would say the word of the Lord came to David the 3,457th time because like Jonah, I keep running away from things. Nineveh was a great city. That's how this book begins. The word great is an important word in this book, great. It occurs 14 times. So it's, if you were doing one of those word clouds, the word great would stand right at the middle with a giant headline over it. It was a great fish that swallowed him up. It was a great city that he was being sent to. It was a great wind that came upon the sea. It is a great God who saves him. You and I need to enter into the spirit of the largesse of God's grace and mercy, the greatness of his love towards us, which is deeper than our failures, deeper than our fears, deeper than our sins. That's the theme of this whole series, a deeper love, that God meets us in the places that we would call deep. Deep calls to deep, it says in the Psalms. The depths of God cry out to us in the depths of our woe. The psalmist put it this way, we'll sing it in the next couple of weeks, from depths of woe, I cry to thee, the voice of lamentation. There are deep places in our lives, deep, if you will, pits of despair, of fears, things which are deeply lodged within us, which we mask and cover up. And these deep places are great. They are massive. They are strongholds which exist in our thoughts and in our hearts which need to be shattered by the mercy of the gospel, invading our souls and liberating us so that we can sing with full faith, I am no longer a slave, I'm a child. And rather than running from God, we discover God as someone we run towards. And so when we come to the book of Jonah, we have the opportunity to encounter God moving towards us in a way that is deeper than our fears, deeper than our insecurities, deeper than our guilt, deeper than our shame, deeper than regrets, deeper than every single stronghold of darkness that any human being can name. Because no one went deeper than Jonah. And God's love was never shown in a greater way to a person in a deep place than it was to him at that moment. 
Nineveh has actually, this great city, been in the news quite a bit over the last 10 years. <laughs> I haven't heard a lot about Nineveh. What are you talking about? Well, you've heard a lot about the battle for Mosul, about 250 miles north of Baghdad. All of the military maneuvers around Iraq, ISIS and their headquarters and so on, as they've moved around in that area, you've heard about the battle for Mosul. Well, Mosul, this city, a couple hundred miles north of Baghdad, is at the ancient location of Nineveh. Nineveh is the ancient capital of one of the most profoundly powerful and sinister empires in world history. At the time of Jonah, it was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, a terrifying, terrifying empire that was seizing countries all around the area. It threatened the people of Israel and the people of Judah relentlessly. This was a massive city, one of the first mega cities of the ancient world. It had a huge wall of eight miles going around the boundary of the city. The wall was so wide at its top that it, it hosted chariot races, six abreast, racing around the tops of the walls. I'm waiting for that movie to be made. That'd be a tremendous scene. Someone would go off the wall, off, over the wall. That would be just a great scene. Well, I mean, it would be. It would just be tremendous. Its god was a goddess named Ishtar. She was the goddess of erotic love and war. Military might, sex, and power. Thankfully, none of those things are a bother for us today. Well, we know, in fact, that those things are. The prophet Nahum, who was not far removed from Jonah, spoke about ancient Nineveh. Here was God's word towards Nineveh in Nahum chapter 3. Woe to the bloody city, full of lies and plunder, the crack of the whip and the rumble of the wheel. Can't you just see those chariot races going around the top of the wall? And the bounding chariot, horsemen charging, flashing sword and glittering spear. So there are the chariots now off the top of the wall and coming through the lands that surround the Assyrians. Hosts of slain, heaps of corpses. They stumble over the bodies stacked up. And all for the countless whorings of the prostitute, her graceful and deadly charms who betrays nations. Behold, I am against you, Nineveh, says the Lord. The Ninevites, the Assyrians, would go to a city and lay siege to it and demand its surrender. But the way in which they would do it is they would take the bones from the people of the last city that they had just conquered and pile them up at the front gate of the new city they wanted to conquer. And they would just stand there and let the people go in and out for a week, walking past the bones of the people from the previous city. And then at the end of a week, they would say, you can surrender or you can become the bone pile for the next city. It's up to you. In other words, they ruled through terror. They would skin people alive, flay them alive and then take the skins and nail them up on city walls as kind of their billboards for their power. Who are these people? 
These were people who were completely addicted to the wildest immoralities you can imagine, to the greatest greed and consumption that was possible in the ancient world, to the use of violence and terror and oppression, the likes of which the ancient world had never seen. It was a great city. It was New York. It was D.C. It was Vegas, all combined under Hitler. And God said to Jonah, I'd like you to go preach there. And Jonah said, yeah, 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 I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Jonah, that great prophet, not so much. But it was a great city. God gave him this great commission. God said, go, and Jonah said, no. And it says he fled He didn't flee, it says, interestingly, from Tarshish. He fled from the Lord. He ran away from God. He wasn't running away from the Assyrians. That's the first thing to really note about this. It says he fled from the presence of the Lord. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. And so he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into the boat with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah's not trying to get away from the Assyrians. He's trying to get away from God. He knows who the Lord is. And he doesn't, at this point, want anything to do with God anymore. He goes to Tarshish. That's where he's headed for. Tarshish was a little city at the bottom of the Spanish peninsula, right where the Straits of Gibraltar are. It was the furthest point away from where Jonah lived in the known world. I'm not just fleeing from God. I'm going to flee from God, and I'm going to go as far away as possible I'm going to get as far away from God as you can possibly get on the planet Earth. Had Jonah been able, he'd have gone to a planet somewhere else. There, as far as the, the ancient world knew, there was nothing past Tarshish. Once you got out past that little point, it was the open Atlantic. And for all the ancient world knew, there was nothing more out there. The old Spanish flag before Columbus had a Latin phrase on it that said, ne plus ultra, nothing further beyond. When Columbus got back, they actually changed the coat of arms. It just said plus ultra, more beyond. But for Jonah and the people of his generation, that was as far away as you could possibly get. I'm going to get away from God, and I'm not just going to get away from God. I'm going to get as far away on the planet from God as you can possibly get. I'm going to go to the ends of the earth to escape God saying, go. When Jonah said no, he meant it. He turned down this commission. And you'd think really on the surface of it, the Assyrians being so opposed to Israel and so opposed to Judah, God saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy you is a message that maybe Jonah would have enjoyed. 
But he fled. There's only one way you can go, really, when you get away from God. There's only one, and it's the word down. It occurs over and over here in this text. Jonah went down to Joppa. (laughs) He went down into the ship. He went down into the sea. He went down into the belly of the fish. That's the only direction you can possibly go, actually. You can want to get to Tarshish, but at the end of the day, to get as far away from God as you can possibly go, there's only one direction you ever end up. You go down. And Jonah went down, and he went down deep. He went deep. And he says in a prayer in chapter 2 that we'll look up next week, God, you have cast me into the deep. You have expelled me from your sight. Why didn't Jonah want to go? Jonah wasn't running away from the Assyrians. He was running away from God. Why didn't he want to go? Here's why Jonah did not want to go. We'll just fast forward it, get to the chase. It's a long text, short sermon. Why didn't Jonah want to go? He didn't want to go because he knew God, and he knew what God was like. Here's what happened. Jonah eventually, of course, because after three days in the belly of the fish, the, the fish vomits him up on the beach, so there he is covered in sheep guts, his skin bleached white by the acid in the sheep's belly, uh, smelling like the belly of a fish. I mean, is that somebody you would listen to? But hey, he walks into Nineveh that way. Remember, it's a city that's eight miles in diameter, and he walks through it, and he announces their destruction. God is going to kill you. It's over. You're going to be destroyed. And they repent. They repent. And God forgives them. And then Jonah goes out on a hill, and he sits down. And he says, that's why I didn't want to go. I knew you'd forgive those people. Grumpy cat prophet, if there ever was one. (laughs) Right there, man. Why didn't Jonah want to go? Jonah knew that if he showed up with a message, that they might repent. They might. And if they did, God would forgive them. And Jonah did not want God to forgive them. Jonah wanted them dead. And he was willing to die to make sure the Ninevites got it in the neck. He hated them. That's why he ran away. He knew God was a merciful God. That God, that God, he forgives stuff. He has mercy on his enemies. That God who forgives everything. I'm not going to those people. I want them dead. And so we sit here this morning, and I know what you're saying. You're saying, okay, I got it. I got it. We're not supposed, we got to stop hating people, and we got to start running towards people instead of away and go to people with the gospel, even people we don't like. Yeah, pastor, we'll do better at that. Uh, uh, uh. No, not so fast. Because in the gospel that you heard this morning in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says something very interesting. He says in that passage something about a great compassion about someone who is greater than Jonah. He says 
to people who were saying, give us a sign that you're who you say you are. And Jesus says, no sign is going to be given to this generation except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the belly of the grave. Who does Jesus identify with? Jonah. He's the greater than Jonah. He's the prophet that didn't run away. He's the prophet that ran towards people. And if Jesus ran towards people, if he ran towards sinners, if he ran towards us, then who in the story do we identify with first? Jonah? Uh Uh-uh. Who are we? The Ninevites. Good morning, Nineveh. What? What? We're, we're good Tennesseans. We're, 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 you know, we, I grew up at Antioch Baptist Church. Come on, Pastor. I went to the Church of Christ. I'm, I'm PCA. I'm not a Ninevite. Like the Jews who said, we've never been slaves to anybody while the Romans had occupied their city. We're not into sex and power and greed. We're not into violence. Right. Right. I don't have any deep places. Right. Hey, look, I've been a pastor for 37 years. Too late. I've heard too much. I know too much about my own heart. My own heart homicide, the violence that comes out of my mouth when somebody cuts in front of me in a parking lot. I speak in tongues, and you don't need any interpreting at all. Those deep, dark recesses of violence and anger, those outbursts of passion. The desire to lord it over other people and to be in charge and to be in control no matter what it takes. To walk over people so that you can make a profit and get it done. No, none of of that's a problem, is it? If Jesus is the greater than Jonah, then we're the Ninevites. And here's the interesting thing about the Ninevites. Is that when Jonah went preaching through Nineveh, it's interesting what the king says over in chapter 3. The king calls all the people and he says, we need to fall on our faces before God. And then he says these words. Listen to these words. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe he will relent and forgive us. Who knows? Would you say it with me? Who knows? You know, the truth is in the ancient world, when it came to God's forgiveness, No one knew. Maybe he would. As far as the Ninevites knew what Jonah, because Jonah never said, if you repent, God will have mercy on you. He just walked in, covered in ship guts and all of that stuff, and God says, you're dead. (laughs) He doesn't say he's going to forgive you. And the king says, who knows? Who knows? And nobody knew. 
Nobody knew until a greater than Jonah. Nobody knew until God dropped a cross in the middle of a hill just outside Jerusalem. And God hung there to forgive our sins so that his apostles could write these words to us. I've written these things to you, 1 John 5, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may know. The king of Nineveh said, I don't know, maybe. The great news about the gospel is that sitting here this morning, my fellow Ninevites, knowing that apart from the mercy of God, we would be destined for judgment and destruction, that the words of the Lord saying, you're my, you're my enemies, you're destined for demolition, would be true concerning us, except for this fact, that as Paul says in Romans chapter 5, that when we were helpless, when we were sinners, when we were ungodly, when we were God's enemies, God loves his enemies, God loves Ninevites. He loves us. And we can know that we're forgiven. You don't have to come to this table this morning going, I hope so, I hope so. My friends, because of Jesus, the greater than Jonah, you can take the body and the blood and you no longer have to say, I hope so. You can say, I, I know so. I'm forgiven. And the reason we're forgiven today is because there is a love that is deeper than our sins. There is a mercy that is deeper than our fears. There is a grace that is deeper than our uncertainties. There is a love that is deeper than our doubts. You don't feel full of faith? I get it. Half the time, neither do I. But whatever I feel on the inside does not change on the outside the historic, objective reality of a cross planted in the middle of history that says, I love you, I forgive you, you are mine, you are not a Ninevite anymore, you are the new creation all of your sins have been taken away. I bore them in my own body on the cross and you are now my righteousness and I delight in you. I rejoice over you. You are part of the new heavens and new earth. You are citizens of the kingdom. You are my holy, precious, cherished people. Come to the feast. Whoa. God had mercy on Ninevites. God's had mercy on us because someone was greater than Jonah. And his name is Jesus. My friends, he does not come among us this morning saying, you're going to die. Jesus is among us this morning saying, you're going to live. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you love Ninevites, that you have a deeper compassion, compassion deeper than our sin. Mercy deeper than our failures. Grace deeper than every chain that's held us. Break those chains now. Spirit of the living God, spirit that directed Jonah, 
spirit that came upon the Ninevites, Holy Spirit that directed Jesus to go to the cross and then raised him from the grave, poured out by him upon all people. Holy Spirit, reach into hearts and minds right now and by your mercy, destroy forever every single place where chains have held people back, where people can only say, who knows, and let them have now the assurance. Let them know that Christ is theirs and that they are Christ's in Jesus' name. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Brothers and sisters, let's stand together before the God who loves Ninevites, whose love is deeper than every sin, and let's confess our faith in him. Beloved of the Lord, redeemed, part of the new creation, in whom do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. How many of you believe it's so good to be loved with that deeper love? Amen? What a wonderful thing. Thank God. Woo. I love that. Love that. Well, it's good to be a forgiven Ninevite. Amen. Let's uh, pray together for our offering this morning. We've got two offerings today. If you're new with us, first Sunday of the month, we have a deacon's fund offering, which happens at the end of the service. And that's just an extra benevolence offering that cares for the needy among us and also for mercy ministries in our community. So at the end of the service, if you've got a little bit of extra this month and you want to kick in on that, help out, great, do that. This main offering, though, this is for our tithes and offerings that we bring to God every week. Let's pray for that. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give because when we give, our hearts are enlarged to become more and more like Jesus. Help us to give away from ourselves towards you and your work to seek first the kingdom. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's be seated together and worship the Lord in our giving. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let's stand before the Lord. Woo. We have feasted on the word and feasted at the table and we're going into a hungry world. We're gonna carry that feast to them. Having been nourished in our souls with the grace of God, let's carry the peace of Christ to everyone we meet and minister his love and mercy wherever we go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. 
Let's uh, sing and rejoice, give glory to the Lord. Benevolence offering for those who can participate in it, please do. Let's uh, rejoice in the Lord. Amen.